My name is Abby, and I'm the voice behind the Evolving Love Project. In this podcast, my husband and I deep dive into the topics of non-monogamy and polyamory, drawing from our experiences from the last eight years of being consensually non-monogamous. My name is Liam. Whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, curious, or anything in between, we invite you to join the conversation. Let's begin. Joining us on this episode of the Evolving Love Podcast is Lawrence and his partner, Michelle. Lawrence is the co-owner of Sydney's premier sex club, Our Secret Spot. This conversation is wide-ranging, covering all things sex clubs, non-monogamy in parenting, and being a public figurehead of non-monogamy in Australia. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, you two. Thank you. Hello. Just to get started, um, we would love to know how the two of you met, what your story is, how your relationship came to be. Well, it was all on a warm summer's evening. No, it wasn't summer. It was actually autumn. But uh, <laughs> No, it was summer. It was no, March. it was March. Well, it was autumn. Yeah, yeah. it's autumn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this was, we met at the front door of the original OSS, uh, Our Secret Spot. Uh, over in Darlinghurst, uh, it was actually the weekend right before the coronavirus lockdowns mm. happened. Yeah, just a few days before. Yeah, so mm. it was all starting to get like, is this this is real? Oh my god, we might like thing things might hit the fan. Uh, and then it was a super quiet night at the club. I noticed Michelle was because I signed her in, her and her, her and her husband at the time, and then. As they were coming in, I quickly ran to the bar and said to Jess, oh, my God, the, the couple that just came in, or the woman anyway, <laughs> like obviously I'm, 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 I was focused on her. Uh, and then it was a super quiet night because everyone was concerned about COVID and all, all the rest of it, so the turnout was quite dismal. Uh, there's probably only like five couples at the club that night, including Michelle and her partner. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw... In those times, it's just like we don't have much to do, so Jess and I were just running the bar, so I might as well go and talk to people. Uh, and I said, well, let's go talk to them, quite selfishly, of course. Um, we ended up chatting for like two, three hours just on, in, the, in the lounge area. Just Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever walked into a sex club too, so this was my very first experience. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. wow, that's amazing. You just snuck it right in there right before shutdowns and everything entered. Good for you because it could have been years before you were in a place like that. Yeah, who, who knew? Yeah. So there was a couple of hours of chit-chatting and then there was I, I was feeling a little something-something between Michelle and I and I was sort of like, yeah. There's a bit in this story I think I'm going to have to correct him oh. in because he tells it and it's incorrect, but keep Look, going. I made Michelle <laughs> laugh so hard. And apparently women like men with a sense of humour. She was like accidentally spreading her leg. She was having to pull a dress down to cover herself. This, she was, she was is, this like, is the inaccurate part of the story. <laughs> it's totally accurate. It's totally what happened. <laughs> Even to this day, I still make her almost wet herself. Sometimes <laughs> you wet yourself. Do, quite literally, yeah. <laughs> but it's because I'm pregnant. <laughs> It's not very nice. <laughs> oh my god! Um, you know, and I was sort of like, "Oh, this lady is into me. This is good." <laughs> um, but you know, play wasn't going to happen that night because uh, I was working, and we just you, there, were other, there were there were a few other people there. There, they still need looking after, and it was only Jess and myself working that night. Uh, and then when they left, it was sort of like, "Well, hopefully you come back tomorrow because the following night was was going to be our." Sixth, sixth birthday, sixth mm. birthday party for the club. So it was going to be a bit more of a turnout. And I said, "Come to that one; it's a little bit better, and you can actually see what the club is like on a 
busy at night. So they went away for that night. Oh, you want to tell the awkward hug? Oh, yeah, no, just at the end. It came in to say goodbye and it was getting really close and I was nervous and uh, he came in to hug. I kind of just hugged him instead of kissed him, <laughs> patted him on the back and ran out the door. <laughs> A friendly handshake. Yeah. yeah. It was very awkward. Yeah, we should have fist bumped. That would have been better. And I actually almost didn't come the next night. I was in my pyjamas because I was quite anxious before that first night and then – uh, anxious again the second night and my husband at the time was going come on we're going what are you doing like you're, you're not dressed I'm like no I'm not going I'm not going she's um, in a pjs yeah and he was like no no let's just go for a little while and just see what happens so I did decide to go the next night and then that's where uh, a bit of flirting and play happened but I mean that was the first time I had ever openly flirted and played with someone else for 17 years Oh, wow. And how did that feel? Talk us through that. That would have been an amazing, amazing rush of, uh, of all the dopamine possible. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. I think I remember walking out just on a, on a high going, this is amazing. This is so liberating. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that night I think there was a little bit of awkward flirting. I think Lawrence was like touching my hand and I was getting, yeah, or jittery. And it was actually my husband at the time who was like, right, that's enough, you two, let's go. We're going upstairs. Ooh. He witnessed the spark. Hey, yeah, he did. Like, I mean, he knew. And we went up and uh, it was quiet up there. We couldn't get a private room. And then, then the open. Yeah, one of the open play spaces was available. And there was no one up there at the time. No so. one up there, yeah. So we started three of us playing. And then there was a fourth person who was kind of involved. But not immediately. No, it was the three of us. And I remember yeah. thinking, like, they said, will this be okay because it's not private? I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. No one's up here. And as I was getting undressed or you were undressing me, I remember turning around and I think everyone from downstairs was upstairs <laughs> watching. Oh, yeah. 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 You tracked the crowd. I wasn't kind of feeling that vibe. I was like, oh, I don't really want to be putting on a show and this and that and have people watching. So mm. we sort of took a break uh, and then – the private room became available because at the time at this, at our old club, there was only one private room. Mm. Uh, that room became available. So we quickly got in there. Um, it's myself, Shell and her, her husband at the time. Mm. Yeah. That was good too. I had a good time in the first experience too. I don't remember <laughs> most of it because I was like, you get, I think you dissociate a bit. You just mm. get taken away, you know. Mm. You, it's another world. Yeah, yeah, especially wow. the first time. So I, I remember having to say to my husband at the time, what happened? Can you just go through all the details bit by bit because I don't remember. <laughs> it's the sexiest blur. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, amazing. And so, Lawrence, please tell us, how did the club come to be? When did it open? So you said it was six years ago in Darlinghurst. You have a business partner. Tell us a little bit about the backstory of the club. That was our sixth birthday party. So that was in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, it's 2020, right? So the club has been open for now coming up to nine years at the time of this uh, podcast. So we opened in March 2014. So we're just about to have our ninth birthday party for the club. Um, it started with just my interest in uh, sort of the adult entertainment business. So... I, for, for some reason, ever since I was not young, young, but like probably teenager, adolescent, and then 
early adulthood was thinking like, you know, this, this, there's something about this interests me, like maybe owning a brothel or being involved in a strip club, something like that. Obviously that was where my experience was going to like, just knowing about these things, you know, swingers clubs was not a, a thing that I knew about. So I was like, Oh, these are the, these are the two things that you kind of do. Otherwise you have a, like a adult shop. Uh, and then did a, did a bit of work through, uh, through my twenties and then, uh, gathered a bit of money. And I thought like my ex wife and I got into swinging through just through role play between ourselves, uh, and, the thought of introducing another person into the bedroom. And then we eventually went and saw someone uh, at a massage parlor and then she took off like a, um, I don't know, what's the, what's, the, what's the phrase I'm trying to think here? Anyway, she got really enamored with this idea of like having other people in the bedroom. So she started Googling. She found a, a swingers club, sex club here in Sydney that she wanted to try out. She's sending all these emails and links. I'm at work. I'm getting these emails. I'm opening. I'm like, oh my God, I can't look at this now. Uh, and then we went to a club. We went to it. We met a few people and we got really wrapped up in the whole scene. And then that's when it's sort of, uh, sort of dawned on me. It's sort of like, I'd be, I'd be interested in running events and parties and stuff like this in this lifestyle because I didn't really quite like the club that was available in Sydney. I didn't think it had much, um, it wasn't very nice. It wasn't very tasteful. It wasn't very, it was just tacky. It was tattered. It had like, you know, RSL vibes. It was sort of like rundown RSL vibes, like country town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, we met people that we liked and that's great. And then that's what made it a good night because you met the connections that you made with other people. But when you took away like the couple of times subsequently that I went there, it was like, you know, the, the rose colored glasses start to peel away and you're going, this is not that great. And it feels a bit icky. And I was thinking I could do a better job than this. Uh, in between happening all that, that my relationship with my wife broke down. And then shortly thereafter, I met Jess and I was sort of like, this is something I've been wanting to do. She was like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in doing that too. That, that'd be fun. Let's see how we go. One of our dates was actually taking her to Ikea and like we just walked around pointing at all the things like, what would you fill out the club with? We're like this sort, of, this sort of stuff, this sort of stuff. Uh, and then <laughs> just through chance, uh, a friend introduced us to a mutual friend who happened to own, own a building in Darlinghurst that was a brothel, but he was looking at turning it into a swingers club, but he couldn't do it on his own and wanted someone else to help him run it. And so that was going to be me. So we, well, I invested all my, all my pennies uh, into like fitting it out. And then that was in, that was December, 2013. And then by the time it opened, it was uh, March, 2014 uh, that we got it ready to go. And then, that was that. Uh, the club was open. Our secret spot was born. Incredible. Well, I, ho- I really hope you get a brand partnership deal with IKEA because I love, I love the thought of the IKEA executives going, "Look, we we have an unconventional way to sell our products now. Uh, we are we are going to fit out every swingers club in the world." Uh, sadly, no. I don't think much I, IKEA left. No, there's no. There's, oh, there's one IKEA cabinet. I can I can see oh, that. Yeah. I think that's the last thing that's IKEA in here. <laughs> it's a glass cabinet that, that displays all our BDSM kinky toys for people to look at. Oh, amazing. And so uh, with the club, you know, over the years, you've seen so many people have walked through the door. You know, there would have been so many different experiences and events. And when you're chatting with people, because, you know, Lawrence as an owner, 
uh, when the people are usually coming along to the club, do you feel like it's more people who are into that swinging lifestyle or are there also polyamorous people that come along? Like, do you see that sort of mix, that crossover between the polyamorous community and the swinging community as well? Or do you think mostly people who are emotionally monogamous but enjoy swinging? I would, I think, well, I think for the most part, especially like we sort of, we market ourselves and we really target newcomers so we have a lot of newbie nights and stuff like that so that's who we're pitching to a lot because we want to attract people who have i haven't done this before and then make sure that they have a good time i don't want people to have an experience like i did where they go this is exactly what i feared it would be so i guess we get people in that very early stage of uh, uh ethical non-monogamy where it's sort of like it's like yeah we're gonna have sex with other people but we're not gonna do anything else with them they're kind of in that phase i, f- I feel like a lot of the time this is just anecdotal from my point of view. It's just, it's just a, the polyamory or the building of that non-monogamous lifestyle can usually starts in a, in a place like this or a situation like swinging. Uh, and then from there you start to make friends and you go, hang on a minute. Like I, I can, you, you start learning a little bit more, start learning about poly, start learning about kink stuff, whatever it is that you might be into. And it's sort of like a, a, a stepping stone. Um, I'd say a majority of our friends, or at least a majority of my friends, are polyamorous. Yeah, the, and yeah. I feel like that as that, the, that we have met through the club. The longer yeah. that they, we've known them, and the more that they they are into this scene, like the the poly thing starts to build on that. That's mm. what I, I feel like mm. I tend to see. Uh, we host other parties, private parties as well. We get a, there's more of the the poly scene, queer scene in in that come into those sort of events, but they're not so interested in just coming to a a sex party night where it's this sort of, yeah, emotionally monogamous, sexually non-monogamous type, type situation. Um, Then again, I could be all wrong with, with what I'm seeing, but this is just, like I said, from, from my, my experience, my uh, perspective, it, it feels like the majority are, the swing is quote unquote just to, yeah, be mm. emotionally non no, emotionally monogamous. Oh god, yeah, yeah. 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 and then yeah, sexually monogamous, non monogamous. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> wrapping your tongue around all of the things. Mm. I find it a really interesting thing with the the kind of even just the word swinger has all these connotations, and I'm I'm really interested. So Michelle, when you went for the first time and you knew, okay, I'm going to a, a swingers club quote unquote what did you have imagined in your mind oh look I think I I think I don't think I had much in my mind actually I wasn't really privy to a lot of the terminology when I entered it was just this is a means to meet a fantasy um my preference actually and a lot of the anxiety building up before I went to that first night was around my preference of meeting someone organically but I think realistically that wasn't probably going to happen very easily so yeah I don't think I had but I think after I had entered the lifestyle and I hate saying that too and I I think it's because I'm a psychologist and I really hate labels (laughs) so I struggle I actually struggle with the labels because exactly for the reasons that you said that there's lots of different assumptions and and connotations that are attached to labels and so um I guess for me I'm like 
I am the way I am in the lifestyle and you are the way you are in the lifestyle and that's cool, you know. So, yeah. Mm. So, you know, I don't think I expected much, but I was a little bit scared that I was going to walk into this like dirty place with all these kind of, I know this sounds awful because <laughs> right, I, I swear I'm not an ageist, but with all these old people that were, you know, not appealing and, yeah, I, do, was, a, I was a little bit frightened about what I was going to walk into. Yeah, it's a yeah. common, fear, common fear coming into a place yeah, like Yeah, yeah. Keys in the bowl. Big sweaty old men with like white towels with like yeah. more hair on their chest than their head <laughs> kind of deal. Just say, hey, <laughs> just groping you as oh. you came through the door. Like that's, yeah. I wanted, like I Hollywood have- has a lot to answer for. Yeah. I just wanted it to be clean as well. <laughs> you know, it was just, I was like, how, what's this going to be like? Is it going to be dirty? Is it going to be sticky? And yeah. Oh, hopefully sticky. sticky yes, but, yes. But yeah. Sticky in a good way. Yeah. I want to just build on what, uh, you know, what we've been talking about, like Michelle and what I've been saying is, is I feel that maybe here in Australia, because I've traveled, you know, uh, uh, to the States and Europe and like kind of the different ways that swinging or non-monogamy is done. But I found here in Australia in particular, there's quite an emphasis on like building friendships and, and bonds through that way. Mm-hmm. So whilst maybe you, people might not use the, the label polyamory, they've still got close connections that they would have sex with from time to time. You know, they hang out doing things other than sexual activities. They know stuff about their lives. They're in constant communication. We have friends like that yeah. who we would consider close friends. We wouldn't consider them, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend or partners or anything like that, but still lovers nonetheless, right? Because you're still Mm. intimate with them from time to time. So it's kind of this uh, hybrid relationship of friend, friends with benefits, right? As a, as a couple or whatever it is you wanted to, whatever you wanted to call it, which could, in, it, depending on how you define it, could sound like polyamory. Yeah, um, I think that's why I think that's why I, f- I find the labels difficult because they I feel like they can be rather restrictive, or have you know have a certain set of rules or boundaries that might not necessarily apply to someone or, or myself. So, and these things are always in flux. You know, a, a lot of what you write about, I mean, you could talk to this is kind of that, that ever evolving nature of a relationship. So even if you start off a relationship with, you know, under a certain label, whether it's a swing or whether you're polyamorous or anything, there's always that kind of sense of movement in a healthy relationship where you kind of move in and out of maybe more poly spaces as it's can, kind of perceived from, you know, just from like linguistic frameworks of that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating space. Mm. And like zooming out, you know, what you were just saying then, Lawrence, about, you know, the friendships and you're still spending time and you care about each other and you know about each other's lives and you would hang out socially in non-sexual ways as well as then getting together and being sexual together. You know, to zoom out from that and to look from above, sure, that would look like a polyamorous community. But when you zoom in, you know, it's you still have your, you know, your bond with Michelle and everything that you have there and you you probably wouldn't feel like that. And I feel like we're we're pretty similar in that way but yeah we always tend to I mean we don't even know how to define ourselves really it's very um <laughs> slutty I think yeah. well just dependent on the connection and what's available you know we I think we would most like we have more non-monogamous friends like we have a lot of people who are non-monogamous who we're friends with who we've never even played with and then we have you know other connections where we do and then some people who we don't see very often but it feels very romantic I still have uh, a lot of connections with 
our partners from New York, like we're, who I haven't seen in years, but we're still in messages. We care about each other. We send each other voice memos every now and then. And that's a, that's a loving, caring thing, but it's not really, you know, in our day-to-day life, you know, not, not in our relationship. It's interesting. Well, for myself anyway, listening to you guys in the early stages was that, that, um, I guess that understanding or that expression of the flex and the ebbs and the flows in the lifestyle because that really appealed to me because it was like, yeah, this is how, this is how we are. We, we started off very differently. We were probably, we, we had fallen into a polyamorous relationship with, you know, we were, we were secondary partners when I was married and, mm-hmm. and he was uh, with Jess um, and then mm. when we, when our relationships broke down and not because of each other at all, it was, they were, they were very separate mm. and we got together, that completely changed. And we had decided that actually we didn't want to, um, have romantic relationships or emotional attachments with others f- for now, while we were building our own foundation and our own sense of security as a couple, because we had never experienced that before. So it was just nice to be able to um, feel okay about stepping in and stepping out whenever we felt Mm -hmm. it suited. Yeah. That's a beautiful, very healthy approach to it. I think just going with the flow and especially when you're building your, your pair bonding at that time, you want to get that really solid. I've actually got a question for you, Lawrence, that I'm fascinated about. So, so how often are you at the club? Are you there every night? When it's open, I'm there probably. So, in a month, uh, we ha- I am there three weekends out of the month. Okay, amazing. So, so you must get this constant kind of stimulation of just this wild erotic energy that kind of just that kind of washes over you in this deluge, I imagine. And I wonder how does how does that kind of impact on the way that has it changed your perception of of sexuality, or has it changed your approach to you know how you approach sex in relationships? Mm. I, yeah, I, I I can't imagine that it hasn't. Uh, it's just when I'm in it. Uh, at the club, I can be in two very different frames of mind. And Michelle can attest to this where if I'm in work mode, I'm in work mode. And mm. the stuff that's going on around me is just happenstance to, to my job. It's just I'm, I have to go and get ice and I've got to walk through a 30-person orgy to do it. I, doesn't, I don't stop doesn't to, look at, to look at the orgy. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. It's not like and – and I guess this comes with experience in, in doing this for nine years, right? I've seen – so much and so often that it's sort of like I'm desensitized, but not desensitized. I can still appreciate it. And I can still go, that's hot. That's looks, well, that looks fun. I might give that a try or like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sitting back and I will take moments to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. But if I am, I'm, I can be mission focused and like, I've got to get this done. I've got to go this thing. I've got to go talk to this customer. I've got to keep on top of the staff. That's that kind of thing. Uh, I can be very, yeah, very, very mission focused, like very, but then if we on or off, yeah. yeah. If yeah. we're here on a night, say Michelle and I are here on a night together to, to enjoy the party, I can be, it's like, I'm the opposite of mission focus. Like my eyes are moving independently in my head. Just to say, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to look at. Michelle's <laughs> like, focus now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm, mm. Because you don't have to be responsible. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. look, you know, Never there is, it. there is flirting that happens and, you know, we get, all the staff get proposition at some point. And um, I'm completely aware that like some people are interested in the idea of like, 
playing with me mostly because just I'm the owner, right? So I, I do take that into account. Mm. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I've got to put my hand up. Like, no, 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 I'm not here for that. Um, go find someone else to go play with. But, you know, some of you, there's a part of you can't help you flattered, especially when it's someone you mm. find attractive and you're just like, oh, okay, that's nice. So, yeah, there's that energy of like being social, uh, in an environment or working in a social environment that is quite sexual in nature, there, there, there is that impact. And, um, but I, I, it's, I've, I've always, I've come away from it fairly unscathed in terms of like not losing myself to it. Uh, mm. just like, I uh, just completely mm. lost in debaucherous activity every weekend and like not being able to get out of it kind of thing. I did like that question, that last bit of that question, though. Just ask, you know, whether it has changed the way you view relationships or how you maybe how you operate in relationships. Is that what you said? Is that was the, yeah? I'm interested in the yeah, answer yeah, of that, to that as well. It's <laughs> um, a good question. I thought. I don't know if it's changed my view of relationships. It's probably reinforced my 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 worldview, right? Because I my worldview is like for me anyway. Non-monogamy is a part of my relationship. Uh, with whoever whoever that's going to be, um, it's kind of a a non negotiable. Now, that doesn't mean to say like we're every you know we have to do this every weekend, hit certain check marks. It's just like this is a journey that I want to be on. Whether it's like we're going really fast or really slow, taking a break, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's just as long as we're on this journey, it's that's a part of our life. It's a yeah. part of our life. Mm-hmm. And so seeing this in the club all the time and like people who, who make it work and like, you know, I've got couples in here who've been together 20 years and, and they've been swinging for almost just as long and, or whatever it is, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, see, this, this, this stuff does work and, you know, you can have a, a healthy, long, long-lasting relationship with this non-monogamy stuff involved um, and, and everything in between. So from first dates to Tinder dates to you know, boyfriend and girlfriend for a couple of years and everything, people with kids and all the rest of it. So it's sort of like this can work and that's kind of the thing that reinforces my belief. I feel like a sex club is the perfect way to enter into non-monogamy, especially for people who are interested in swinging and all of this because you don't have to sort of worry about going on the dating, you know, going on the apps and doing all of that and then having, you know, drinks with somebody you might. And I feel like, you know, within the first maybe minute or two minutes of chatting with somebody, if there's a connection or not. And the wonderful thing about being in a club is you have all of these different people to talk to and connect with and you can just also take the moments that you need to to step aside together as a couple, to have the little chats, to, you know, have another drink, to sort of move around, like find another person to chat with and do all of that. And it just feels like a really good way of doing that. And I've, I've, I'm, I mean, we host conversation evenings we have a lot of newbie non-monogamous people who have never done anything yet. So their first big thing that they've ever done is that they come to our conversation night and we're chatting and, you know, and I, I've been recommending the club. I've been saying, go to Sydney. You won't be in Canberra. You won't be seeing people that, you know, necessarily and go and connect with people. And people have been doing that. You know, people go up to the club and yeah. And, um, yeah, one one. Um, We've had a lot of glowing reviews. Yeah, make sure to tell them to yes. let us know that uh, where they came from because like, I'm, I'm always I'm, I love hearing about where where people's uh, their their origin story, their genesis of how, mm-hmm. how they got to the club. Like I found out through the Love and Love Project. I found out through uh, um, Luke and Sindhu run our sex ed classes mm-hmm. or whatever wherever it may be. It's sort of like mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's sort of like this. I don't know. The community that is yeah. that is forming around 
everyone. Mm. And it is, you're right, it is a, a much less daunting experience. I know that for me when first um, dipping my toe in, the thought of going on a date with someone and feeling like I was kind of backed into a corner and couldn't take those breaks or um, might have felt anxious or pressured maybe to to do something that I didn't want to do. Um, it's a nice way to explore your boundaries as well, I think, in the club environment. The club environment is a less daunting experience. I know for myself when entering or dipping my toe into the lifestyle, I found it, it provided me the opportunity to, yeah, like you said, take that step back or not feel pressured. Whereas the idea of um, having a date with someone that early on and feeling like perhaps I would be kind of be backed into a corner or or may feel like I, I should be doing something that I'd didn't necessarily want to do um, was probably going to be a problem. But, uh, yeah, I find I was just saying that the club kind of allows you to explore your boundaries safely. Um, Yeah, so I guess more autonomously because everyone else is there doing the same thing. Yeah, so. It's also a wonderful thing, you know, if people are, are new to this type of thing, to actually just go and, you know, only have sex with each other, but be in this environment and just see what that feels like. Like we, we have a lot of friends who will go to these types of things and they just like doing it because they're exhibitionists and like being in the energy of the club and they get off on that and they don't even play with other people or do anything like that. But it's just, you know, it's an amazing environment. I mean, we always say people should go to a sex club or a or a decent sized sex party at some point in their life, you know. I mean, it should be a rule. it's amazing. You should get taught that in school. It's part of the rite of passage. You're not allowed to start drinking until you've done this. That's <laughs> well, what I loved when we started going to uh, sex parties, big sort of private sex parties in New York, I, you know, a while back was just how everything, you know, the consent culture is just amazing. You know, people are so considerate, so, um, you know, reading the room as well, unless it's an enthusiastic yes, it's a no. You know, if you ask somebody, you know, if you approach somebody and they're like, oh, maybe later, like that's really a no, you know, and I just feel like in a sex, like really sex positive people, people who are in this environment, they, they understand this. And I feel like, so the stigma that runs along with the sex class and all of that, it, it really is so wrong, I feel, from my personal experience because I felt the same things before we went to a sex party. I thought, oh, my gosh, it's just going to be this crazy free-for-all and we're going to walk in there and these wild women are going to come and rip Liam away from me <laughs> and everything that we've built and our trust and our love is destroyed. Like, I mean, no, I wasn't really that worried. You know, I was more excited. But, you know, they're the things that come to your mind. I'm like, who are these people? People, you know, that are going to this thing. And then I realized, oh, it's actually just sweet, nervous people like us yeah. <laughs> who are really considerate. We do a lot of, so our new, we do, like I said, we do our newbie nights a couple of times a month here at uh, the club. And we do an intro talk at the start of the newbie nights. Uh, we're having one tonight, actually. And we do it. So we start the talk about half an hour into the night. We tell everyone for the newbies, get here within the half hour, and then we can start the talk. And the first big topics that we cover is consent and boundaries. So like, you know, we use the acronym FRIES for when you're asking for consent or when you are trying to uh, obtain consent. This is like F is freely given, R is reversible, I is informed, E is enthusiastic and S is specific and then teaching them like it's totally okay to say no albeit politely but Mm -hmm. you can say no no thank you um and 
avoiding terms, like you said, Abby, it's just like, oh, no, not right now, maybe later, because you're saying it is a no, but at the same time, you might tell that that person might hear, come back later. And then they come back and you're like, why is this person annoying me? And I'm like, yeah, leave me alone. It's just like, well, mm. you did say sort of come back later. Just say, if it's, a, if it's a hard no, it's not now, not ever, just say no thank you kind of thing. Yeah. And people, it's really great on those newbie nights that we have these talks because it feels like we get to sort of indoctrinate them into the way of this, like, this is how you should be. You should be asking for content. You should be able to say no. You should be able to have conversations, this, that, and the rest. And then uh, when we see it happening in the club, like, you know, we'll walk around the staff, walk around and people are like, hi, nice to meet you. Do you mind if I like touch you here? Could I kiss you? And then it's just like, oh, they're listening. (laughs) I mean, that's so, that's so powerful though. And and it's really uh, one thing that I tell people often and people can't believe it is that I say that one of the safest places you can be is a sex club. You know, like I feel more nervous going out on a Friday night to some, to some bar, you know, in, in the city. And I feel, uh, you know, more, more at threat from, you know, random people, you know, Mm. you know, the kind of broad culture, or anything like that and just the complete lack of consent in addition to the fact that I know that that Abby feels uncomfortable so often because people just have a complete lack of understanding of boundaries and the appropriate way to to approach consent but really at a sex party like you're saying it's just this amazing thing to set the groundwork so that people actually have a a true understanding of of you know the the possibilities and you know there's a party promoter that runs a parties here and their catchphrase or, fr- or logo is like consent is sexy. And it is like, at first it can feel like people feel like asking for consent or this is, this is a bit weird to be like to ask. But when you have that, you ask and you get a very clear yes to what you've asked for. You're like, great. I don't have to, mm. I'm not thinking about like, is this okay? Is this, am I making the other person uncomfortable provided you're not a psycho? Uh, and then <laughs> you, just it's so freeing and liberating just going like yes this is this is great i can we're we're both on the same page and we're doing the thing or however many people there are involved i get i think also following on to your your point about going out to other places like going clubbing and feeling uncomfortable um i think it's i mean i've always felt safer here than I have out in the club but I think that the ongoing kind of exposure to the club so I'm here often now too um, and Lawrence for years has made us probably even less tolerant of the the behavior out in clubs I mean we were out last year before I felt pregnant and we went out dance sometimes I like to go out for a dance (laughs) you know Um, and we went out dancing and we went to a club here in Sydney and it was just, you, you, you were, you weren't, he was, was not happy. <laughs> he was getting really mad. Like was there was a lot of, um, to the yeah, point where very intoxicated like, businessmen who were, right. and women as well, who were just out of control, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's that, it's this, I mean, you can, almost all women that, that have come through the club and I talk, and I happen to talk to us about, they just go, They've all got a story of being groped or felt up at a, at a nightclub, uh, you know, by someone. Either they catch them or it's they're on a busy dance floor and they don't know who yeah. did it. Yeah. You know, mm. and it's that anonymity. No, nothing's really going to happen to anyone who does it. It's it's so rare to like catch them and, fi- and have someone thrown out. It's just like here at the club. It's just like if you someone says that person touched me, that one's just like oh okay, they're going to go now. Yeah. Um, and you get so used to that level of consent. Mm. and respect that mm. then it becomes really difficult to tolerate anything less. I think that's, you know, I guess that's the, down, the, the downside of, of doing things other than 
<laughs> in, a, in a highly consensual environment. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And sometimes it's just a bit sad that, that, that mm. this people often come in here and they're so pleasantly surprised or at any party, like you said, you've been like, I think it's just the culture of this lifestyle or the non-monogamy self is like always seek consent, always be uh, respectful of other people's boundaries. Whereas like, to the to the um to the muggles out there, they think that it's complete opposite. It's just debaucherous. There's going to be a giant vacuum cleaner as you walk through the door that takes off your clothes, and then you just <laughs> your wrists are strapped to your ankles, and someone's sodomizing you. Like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> I like the idea of the vacuum cleaner, though. I'm sure there's a. I don't know about the second bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Liam's listening to this thing. Oh, that sounds pretty hot, actually. No, I'm, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna look at my vacuum cleaner the same, Lawrence. <laughs> it's like the X-ray yeah. machines at the at the at the airport. You walk through these things. Oh, yeah, exactly. Where do my clothes go? You know, coming back to what you said, it's like so much of these things that we learn at the club. It's like they, tra- that, you know, that you'd learn in a club or a sex party. You would then, you know, they translate into the real world in other situations. Consent, boundaries, learning how to say no, feeling comfortable and empowered with that. And you know, it's so important. I feel like actually being a sex positive person and being in these spaces has really empowered me you know as a as a woman and you know standing up for myself and if I'm at a bar and somebody you know some guy a random bar you know and a guy puts his hand on my back you know I feel very confident to turn around and say excuse me like your hand is on my back you know because it's like that doesn't fly with me not at all yeah assertiveness skills get well developed in, in the lifestyle. They do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, we're talking about having a lot of, you know, newbies coming to the nights and all of that. So after the consent talks, after your newbie introduction night, people are in the club, it's their first time. Uh, do you ever see people like, and you can see them in the club, like negotiating their boundaries on the fly? Like, do you feel like there are ever sort of people who come in pretty on a bit of a whim and they're in a moment and they're figuring it out then and there? Sometimes you do, and uh, that's part of the talk as well. We go, we've got to, like, the talk goes for about 20 minutes of what we cover, um, and it's also making sure part of, part of the talk is making sure with your partner what your boundaries are. Uh, Jess and I have come up with, like, rules and boundaries. Boundaries are something that you can sort of you, – you've pre-discussed as something that maybe or maybe not, depending on the situation, and rules is something hard and fast. So you're not going to break them, i.e., uh, using uh, a protection for penetrative sex kind of thing. Mm. Um, we, we tell people, make sure you've had those chats. Hopefully, and I get them to everyone, show me a raise of hands, like who's had a chat before they've walked in the door? Almost everyone puts their hands up. Some people have their hand down and go, right, for the people who've just surprised their partner with where they've come tonight, <laughs> find a dark corner in the, in the club and have a quick chat about what you're into and what you're not into because you don't go, I thought we we're going to a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, when you said I was going to eat sausage tonight, I didn't realise what you meant. <laughs> Thought we were going to a German beer house. No. Yeah. You said you promised me bratwurst. <laughs> <laughs> All I see is mini frankfurters now. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! Uh, yeah. Um, mm. But yes, I do see uh, people having those chats about. But it's. And, and then giving them that space is like you can if something is you're taking interest or um, or maybe not interest anymore, like having those moments, being able to excuse yourself from the situation going, hey, guys, we just need a moment uh, to have a chat between ourselves for what 
is or isn't going to happen between us, us two, and then us four, us five, six, whatever it is. Um, le- giving them that permission that that's okay and that's normal mm. is is important. So yeah, we do see it, and and uh, sadly, and we see sometimes the the bad side of when the when the communication is broken down and someone's done something that. The other person thought that person shouldn't have done it. There's tears and there's yelling and it's like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone Ooh. settle down. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yelling in the play space. I've never seen that before. But you would because you, three weekends of the month, you're in that, you know, environment. So, of course, it would happen every now and then. Yeah. It's more so with, with newbies, right, with, with, with the mm. couples. Do you find? I don't find that it's any one. Like I said, with the newbie talks, like, and I feel like once we've, like, given them that, all these ideas for them to think about and consider throughout the evening. It can just as easily happen on an evening when we don't put as much emphasis on. No, I but guess, I meant, I meant in, like couples who are newbies. It's happened with couples. Yeah, it happens yeah. with couples who are quite experienced as yeah, well. Like right. just you're having an off night or yeah, yeah. you something changed. You know, I didn't think we were going to be doing this or that yeah. tonight. You know, it mm-hmm. ha- whatever the situation, mm-hmm. it happens rarely, but it's to say I couldn't, I couldn't like, definitively say yeah it only happens when it's a newbie couple or something like that it can happen to anyone no, no, you're right yeah 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 and there's always so many variables you know because not only you're dealing with your own relationship dynamics when you go into a space like this is that you're also dealing with all the relationship dynamics around you and and i'm really interested to know like you know and, and i'm sure the the listeners will be interested as well is what are the kind of is it mostly couples who who you see coming through the doors or is it is it you know groups of of single men or is it groups of what's what how does it skew in terms of the demographic and and how it falls it is majority couples uh and then we allow single women and single men we limit the number of single we limit the number of everyone because most we're in a very fortunate position right now with the club where the 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 nights sell out almost every weekend so we have a set number of couples that sort of we have i think 65 couples and then 10 single women and five single men and all those positions usually get filled. Uh, so obviously anyone who can do the math, like the, the ratio of women slightly favours, um, it out, out, outweighs the men just by a little bit. Uh, that depends on if everyone turns up as well. So it depends on how many people turn up on the night. Uh, we, yeah, so we definitely cater towards more couples um, being the business that we are. Uh, men have to apply. Men have to apply. Mm. So if you are coming, if you intend on coming as a as a gent on your own, you have to go through an application process. This is just obviously, unfortunately, too many men have spoiled the the fun for others who are decent and respectful uh, and understand what this is about. So we make them apply just so we can get an understanding that they know what um, this place is and it's not just a place for them to get uh get a quick shag and then whatever you can do that but it's just like as long as you're respectful and understand like what the dynamic is going to be that you're going to be encountering for most of the people inside the venue um yeah and it's not to say that we haven't had issues like i've definitely had issues with women who have oh yeah you know and actually i've probably been i've probably been groped or kissed or touched in a manner that I didn't consent to more so by women than men. And I don't know whether that's due to the, the vetting process because we don't, you know, there's not, there's no vetting necessarily of the women. I mean, and they, and that's not tolerated. That's also an immediate exit. I have asked a woman to leave yeah. about three months ago. Yeah. 
she just came up to me and just sort of like put her hand on me and then just like grabbed my cocked balls yeah. and started like, you know, and I was yeah. just like, that's, uh, that's your night now. <laughs> <laughs> she was very confused about what was going on. Yeah. Okay, there's the front door. Make sure to then let it hit you on the way out. Yeah. It's very important to have this vetting process and especially for men as well. I mean, you wouldn't want a bucks party to all of a sudden rock up and think that they can just, you know, or they, they know that they've got that weekend and they can just buy a whole bunch of tickets, not think twice about it and then rock up. It's like that is not the crowd that you want in your club. And in saying this things about a couple, you know, we were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago about who a couple actually is and sort of, you know, yeah. we, mm. we don't, we don't say like you have to be a, you know, a married couple with kids or whatever it is. It's just like the definition of a couple can be quite wide and varied. Um, so sometimes we get, you know, those sort of couples that married kids, Maybe they've been they're just boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, friends with benefits, whatever, whatever it is. As long as they understand what they're coming into and they respect the rules of the house, and it's like arrive together, stay together, leave together, and respecting other people's boundaries and consent and all the rest mm. of it, we don't we don't have a problem. It's just too hard to to monitor that kind yeah. of what's your relationship status. It's just like you know, if like we were doing. I don't know, visa checking like they do here. It's just like make sure it's not like some some sham wedding. Like are you real what's her favorite colour? <laughs> and it kind of borders it kind of borders on a discrimination to a degree as well. Like I think this this stemmed from a, a message, some feedback provided by um, a patron to say that they weren't too pleased with the um, status of couples that were in the club that night and were he, they came to look for other couples like them. Um, and so we, yeah, the, the yeah. Lawrence's response, that, that, that's how that, that conversation came about between us. It was like, well, hold on, what is it? What is a couple? Like, what would you consider a couple? And, mm. you know, uh, what happens if they're on a date, on a first date, and this is where they've decided to come together? Because they haven't been together for five years, they're not a couple. Like, it's, you know, we, so we kind of had this debate around, you yeah, know, how do you classify just, a couple? Yeah, they're not boyfriend and girlfriend or in a relationship. They've known each other for a couple of years and they occasionally... And they like to play together. Play together, but mm. they want to come to the club. It's sort of like, who are we? Yeah. Yeah, play partners. Yeah. yeah. And what about like throuple dynamics? Like what if it's a polyamorous, you know, woman, two male partners? That's all yeah. fine. We just make sure, we just ask it because it's... We're bound by like obviously what we can do online in terms of like the ticketing and how many options we have. Otherwise, it becomes so convoluted. So we just say like there's a couple single female, single female ticket, single male ticket. If you're a thruple, that's fine. Just let us know so we know uh, how to allocate those spaces. Mm-hmm. So it's like if it's uh, a woman and two men, let us know. Buy a couple ticket and then buy a single male ticket. Not, mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to go through the application form if you're all coming together or if you're a, a quad or drink or whatever, whatever, the, whatever the terminology is, it's all totally fine. Just let us know. Mm. And the couple sticker is not necessarily male and female. It's mm. just two people. Let us know the dynamic. If it's two women, two men, or however it is, or transgender, anything in between. Binary. Yeah, mm. whatever it is, just let us know so we know what to expect when we turn up. Because the last thing, because it's just basically we don't want. We get guys who are trying to be cute, and they just sort of like, oh well we're gay and we're going to come in and they try this at the front door and it's just like, you're clearly not gay. It's like, and then you're just two mates. You've come mm. from the pub and you're going, we're going in this, we're going in the sex club. They've got that vibe. And it's just like, I'm not letting you in. 
kind of thing. Mm. And it's a difficult difficult position to be put in really too because and that, that's why they've kind of had to go or these are these are the rules when it comes to single men because otherwise these situations might occur and, and who knows, you know, they might get it wrong. Um, or, yeah, every or now not, and then we might get you know. it wrong, but it's just sort of like for the vast majority, I think we get it right mm. in terms of who we don't let in. Mm. Gosh, that is really interesting. It never crossed my mind that two men would pretend to be in a gay relationship to just get into the club. But that, yeah. yeah. I mean, you must have seen just the most amazing array of things. Like the, the club has been open long enough that the, the stories, I hope you're in the process of writing many books. Yeah. Oh, he writes down so much. He'll, yeah. yeah. He's got so much content for a, for a book, I reckon. Oh. <laughs> or a penthouse for a magazine, whatever you yeah. <laughs> or you could That's why like- we started the podcast, Jess and I, because it's sort of like we see so much. I go, one day, like, you know, this is all going to be behind us uh, and we're going to be like, some of those wild times, you know, when we were like 20s and 30s and we were running a sex club. It's just like, anyone going to believe our stories? Here, listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any uh, standout stories? Like, do you have, do you have like one big funny story or, a, or an awkward moment or something that's just burned into your OSS memory forever? I tend to remember the funny things. I mean, because I, I, the sexy stuff I see is frequent and often, like we're talking about, is it's like, this, how many sexy stories do I have? I have so many because they happen all the time. But like the stuff that stands out to me is something that's odd or funny. One of them, and most of them have happened from uh, the old club in Darlinghurst. One of my favorite ones was people meaning what they say. Uh, I guess that's the title of the story. So this young woman was standing at the bar. She was having, she was ordering a drink and another patron came up, another a guy came up and asked very politely, oh, I'd love to play with you. Would you like to play? She just turns around. <laughs> no, you fucking stink. And he's like, oh, you don't have to say like that. She goes, tell you what, go have a fucking shower then you can come back and fuck me. So he went off. He had a shower. He goes, I'm showered. She goes, right, let's go. And they went fucked. <laughs> and I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> Oh you know, like I, I, I respected both of them for one. He was polite. He asked. He took the no. He got instructions about what to do to get the yes. <laughs> he, and she was comfortable enough to say, I'm interested, but you smell. Uh, so go and do this and I'll play. And they both did what they were <laughs> asked and asked of each other. And they had a great time from what I could hear, what it sounded like. <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, it's fascinating what you're saying about, uh, you know, talking with Jess about kind of looking back and going, remember the good old days. But uh, the interesting thing is, and a misconception that we are trying to break as well, and certainly Abby is with, with the stuff that she writes about, is that non-monogamy doesn't just have to exist when you're young and single. And and you are both in the amazing position of of expecting a child, which is... Very exciting. Um, how do you think that's going to – and, Michelle, I'd love to know what you, you think, being the, the expectant mother, that how, how do you think that uh, you're going to navigate this kind of journey through non-monogamy? Are you, are, you, are you planning on taking a break for a little while or what's the – how do you think about it? I've got three other children, so this is my fourth child. So um, Lawrence is first. I guess uh, – look, I haven't, I haven't been on that journey – um, with younger children. So, you know, with, with babies up until, I mean, my kids were what, uh, the youngest was nine at the time. 
Um, and my eldest, so my eldest now is nearly turning 20 and I've got a 16 year old son and then a 12 year old daughter now. Um, there's been, and we, we've had a bit of a chat about this, but I guess because I've had some experience. <laughs> So wow. ex- you're really killing it over there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's actually I turned 44 yesterday, and I was saying how Ooh, I'm, I'm pretty wow. I'm pretty happy that my body can still I'm pretty amazed actually that my body can still do this um, wow. at 44, which is quite nice. Yeah, but so I've had a little bit of I've had a little bit of experience, but I say that, but I've only really been in the lifestyle for three years, so really not that much experience. Mm-hmm. Some of the challenges I think I found um, as a mum in the lifestyle or entering the lifestyle was um, balancing out. Like I, I I, also would like to be an advocate. I mean, I'm a psychologist and so I'm, I'm very open-minded and I've met many other psychologists in the lifestyle. It's interesting. I think I've met something like 16 or 17 psychologists in the lifestyle. It's, it must say something, right? Um, non-judgmental industry, I guess. But um that I would love to advocate or, you know, and or be very proud of my sexuality or how I fit into the lifestyle. But there has to be an element also of protecting my children because other people don't see it that way. And parents can be not very nice. So, um, you know, I, I think even, you know, I, I think I remember last year or the year before reading, a couple of years ago I read, a story about a, a woman that had an OnlyFans account and she had children at school and some some of the wives had found out that their husbands were, you know, what, uh, subscribing to her account. Mm. And they didn't take it necessarily out on her, but they took it out on the child and the child ended up having to leave the school. And, and so these are kind of some of the considerations we've had to really, well, I've had to think about with my kids and we've had to have a discussion about for the impending birth of our child was, you know, because Lawrence is very public. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's an ongoing discussion for us at the moment. I, I'm i pretty sure the cat's out of the bag in my suburb, which is a very conservative suburb. Um, and l- I think thankfully th- things have been pretty good. Like I haven't had any negative reactions, but again, I don't know if, also because my kids are much older, so maybe not so vulnerable to negative yeah. judgment or behaviour. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How do you guys navigate that? Well, our uh, our son is four, so I feel like it's not, you know, it doesn't Im- impact his world at all. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's obviously not listening to podcasts or sort of aware of these types of things. We don't talk about anything in front of him. I feel like we're, we're becoming a little bit more public. You know, we have our podcast. I have the Instagram page. Uh, you know, there are, you know, we do have like our sort of monogamous, what did you say before, Lawrence Muggle friends, um, you know, who know, Um about us, they're really supportive. You know, I feel like most people who, you know, know us, they, they really like us. It's not an issue, but, um, yeah, we haven't really had any negative, uh, pushback from anything. Uh, but it is something that I do think about at some point or that people might get the wrong idea or they, you know, if it, if somehow 
his all the parents in his class find out and they're going to think that because I'm saying hi to one of the parents that that means I'm hitting on them all of these stigmas that come with being non-monogamous it's like yeah sure I'm non-monogamous doesn't mean that I want to be non-monogamous with you yes um, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like I mean there's some pretty hot parents at the pickup but you know it's it's uh <laughs> At the drop off, but you know, it's it's uh, yeah, but not all of them, yeah. not all of them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a few. I'm like, I wish they were on the Instagram page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, I think it, it, it's not about us, right? It's I, I don't care what what other people think of me, and and yeah, all of my whole family know, my good friends know, my monogamous friends know, mm. um, and they've all been wonderful. Um, it's not me. I, I worry about it's. It's just more so around. It's just it's more mm. the kids that I worry about and the repercussions on them and and the stigma and the and the judgment that might fall on their shoulders as a result. So it's it's a bit of a balancing act, I guess. You know, we we've discussed more recently about you know because it is difficult for Lawrence definitely with conversations with my kids because my kids don't know. Um, my eldest, I think, knows, but. I don't know that she knows, you know, like I, I, I suspect that she might know, um, but we've never had an overt conversation about it. Um, and I have got, you know, their dad to consider in terms of that type of information, whether that's something he would be okay with them knowing. I guess um, as time goes by, eventually that becomes my decision because they're, they're adults or they're old enough. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we've talked about, you know, maybe – disclosing what he does for work to the older two and just kind of slowly. And we have conversations, like we do have conversations around, like my son, you know, we'll talk about dating someone and we'll talk about, well, you know, we'll talk about non-monogamy, you know. It's okay to like two people. Or just as an okay option. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> Not saying you should, but just say, oh, you know, like, He's just like, oh, I think I might like her. And so say, you can like two people at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, okay, just letting you know you can. But this is the the amazing thing about being a sex positive person, as both of you are, is that it actually feeds into just a really healthy way to bring up your own children and talk about sex. You know, a lot of the the friends that we have with who are in the lifestyle who who do have kids, they have this beautiful way of of approaching talking about sexuality in a way that it just destigmatizes everything, so that ultimately for kids, and uh, you know, it's it's actually a really healthy experience to have for them to have these conversations with their parents. And also they see their parents being happy. Like, Michelle, you're probably so happy all the time. And your kids are like, God, my mum is so happy. It's yeah. amazing. Like, you know, maybe she is going to an orgy every weekend. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, I've, got, I've got friends actually who, who reflect on that too, who are like, I'm pretty sure my parents were swingers when we were, when they, when we were like, when we were younger. I, like, I'm, I'm sure of it because now, yeah. now that they're in the lifestyle too, like, they're like, oh, you know. <laughs> These are the same lies together. I'm telling my children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, and, and you're right. I mean, why are you going out in a trench coat, Mum? <laughs> Forty degrees. Hey, that's actually not. That's not inaccurate. Which is a bit of a worry. <laughs> Love it. Done it myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah what have you got on under there? Like my my youngest is the worst. What are you wearing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I've I've heard about like, and this is the thing. Whereas I, I'm the only non-parent in this conversation, but you know, I've I've have thought about you know, what it's going to be like to 
raise a child and the conversations you have and other parents who have spoken about this is sort of like people who think that my mum's actually asked me this question. It's just like, well, what are you gonna what are you gonna tell the child about your relationship? I was just say, like, Well, what what do you tell me about your relationship? I at some point I know that you're sexual and but I don't give you the uh, you didn't give me the intimate details of your sex life, nor am I gonna with my children. They might know about when they get old enough that mum and dad did or are in this lifestyle, but you're never going to hear or never, never I'm going to bring you or expose you to. The juicy details. Yeah, the juicy details. Yeah. It's like mm. I'm, not that, it's, I'm not taking them to a party to, to show them, you know mm. what I mean? It's just like mm. whereas I think people sometimes conflate like just being non-monogamous. Mm. It's like, well, then that means you have to um, You're exposing teach, your children to it. You're exposing these, your yeah. children to it. It's mm. just like. Like, listen, Karen, I don't care what, what colour dildo you use in your bedroom. Do you tell your child about it? No. So what would I tell them about what we do in our bedroom? Yeah. doesn't matter that my dildo is, is flesh-coloured and real, yeah. attached to a human. <laughs> I, I, I guess I won't. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like it to be less complicated, but I think quite honestly as a parent there are complications, right, and there are, there are stigma, uh, there is stigma and, and other people's judgments to consider when they're young and vulnerable. And, you know, I do hope and I feel like it is happening now as they get older, it becomes a little bit easier. Something that just occurred to me while we're having this conversation is it might be uh, prudent to consider where they go to school. Uh, I know here in Sydney there are certain schools that are a little bit more uh, uh, accepting or that the community around... um, mostly like LGBTQ uh, issues is more like, except like this is a safe school for, for, for children who either have parents who identify as any of those or the children may be identifying as any of those. Um, so that, that may be a consideration is to say you might want to go to a community where the, the overall feel of the community is a little bit more open-minded to these sort of uh different ways of living your life uh, rather than just the, the, the standard cookie cutter yeah. way of living. And then, then the other side of me is like, but why? Why do I have to do that? <laughs> you know, why do we have to do that? When, why can't we just be accepting of each other? You know, so I, have, I do have that flip side as well where I'm like that other part of me gets irritated. <laughs> yeah. But this is, this is the amazing thing with, with you being so public, Lawrence, about and so sex positive in the public domain. I remember when we were moving back from New York, we thought, okay, we've got to figure out what's going on in Australia. Like, are there any people who are into this? Or is it just going to be like us, you know, hanging up our hats on the... on the? I thought it was something that only happened in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then I saw you on the morning show, and I thought, okay, we gotta, we gotta, we're gonna yeah, have and, to meet. And, and I thought it was, it, it is such an incredibly brave thing to come out publicly and to speak on a national level in a, in you know, a, a, a moderately conservative country in a lot of ways, and and to really come out and just own your approach to sexuality, but also own this incredible forward thinking, um, you know, mindset that I think maybe in fifty years this might be just no one would bat an eyelid really they go oh you know you're non-monogamous but really at the moment there is this big cultural shift and i wonder have you seen that have you seen that that shift from the club's perspective like have you seen you know just in the in the way that you guys uh well the way that you've been you know doing different shows i know you've done stuff on sbs and all that kind of stuff what's been the reception and your approach to it 
It's been good. It's it's been changing. And again, this is all like anecdotal sort of what I'm seeing. But like, you know, from 2000, so I think we first appeared on TV or something maybe in either late 2014 or 20, early 2015, somewhere around there. You know, I was quite like, we got, we got ambushed, or not ambushed, sorry. So, so the show we did was on SBS uh, and it was called Inside and we got approached to do this thing and we didn't know any better. We were excited just to sort of be, have some publicity. But when I, I didn't ask certain questions when, before they started filming and then when it came to it, I just go, what's the theme of, what's the topic of the episode? Oh, sex addiction. Like, oh, oh So you're going to lump us in with, is that how you're going to try and spin it? And I I got got a little cranky at the director and the producers were like, we're so sorry. We thought you knew. Um, And, but then they came to the club and they filmed and the producers at the end, like they had a a chat with them the day after they just go, that was brilliant because all we got was really good, positive stuff. We couldn't even show anything that was that, that debaucherous out of line. And so when they put it into the show, is this this bit that just kind of didn't make sense? Like, why is this here? Like, you're just trying to say they're sex addicts, but like, we're not seeing anything like this in the way that they're communicating or what you're showing us. Um, and then since then, it's just been this, it's, we felt the culture change ever so slightly, especially sort of maybe the, the next generation is coming up into, um, into a position where they might be interested in coming to the club. So like the 20 the, the somethings, I sound like an old man for some reason, but anyway, the young 20 somethings going to a sex club or a sex party. So we have people who run parties. It's either we run them or we have other people run them inside the venue. It's just like, yeah, like you were saying, Abby, before it's just like, I think everyone just kind of has to go, right? Like, that's, that's their attitude. It's just like, yeah, we're just going to check it out. We're going to see what's happening. And there's totally, they don't, I'm not sure they even identify. I don't know what they identify as. They're just there. I'm here for a fun night. If I if I find so, and if they if they hook up and shag someone that night, oh well, that's just kind of what you do. But they don't like there's there's no, I don't know, predetermined thinking on their behalf is kind of how I'm feeling. And so I think it's kind of very we're starting to shift away. Like and you, and as you said, Liam, people just say when you say you're not monogamous, they go, oh okay, I've heard about mm-hmm. this and I've heard mm-hmm. about that. Like there's more information getting out there um, mm. year by year. And, you know, this is in the space of nine years. So hopefully in 50 years, he's just like going to get a haircut. So, see, I'm just going to the sex club this weekend. So, hey, have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how it is. Yeah. We haven't actually been to like a sex club in a really long time. We haven't been since we were living in New York. Um, we were we were meaning to, and then it was COVID and life and and parenting and whatnot. And I think we were a little bit sort of hesitant in Canberra at first. We know that there are things happening, but it's a bit of a small place, so we we weren't we weren't running there. Um, but we are going to be running up to Sydney. We're going to be running soon, up to hopefully. Sydney. Well, we we recently went to a we were invited to like a private sex party recently. And we went to that and that was really fun. It was good to be in a group energy, you know, because we've, we've had, you know, f- fun experiences with, with like-minded friends, but to be in like a room of, of sweaty people getting it on, um, you know. It was. It was. It was re- and it was really amazing. It was yeah. like lovely group of people. It was really fun. And I came out of that and I was like, I need this back in my life again. We need to, we need to do this because I think we sort of over the past few years we've sort of been engaging more in sort of polyamory and sort of navigating our way through more sort of relationships and moving through all the growth and everything that comes with that 
And um, yeah, it was just really fun to to just go and be in that energy again. So I feel like I've gone the opposite where because we're here so often and we're in that energy all the time, mm. we've been gravitating more recently towards just the selective private mm. play scenarios for us. Um, maybe I need to, and, and look, I've made a conscious decision to just recently I've said, look, I think I want to um, take a step back for a little while. Mm. Um with with the occasional when the mood shall strike me <laughs> let us play we we're they? talking about that today i was like it's a no but occasionally <laughs> and when mama wants some sugar <laughs> you can yeah. go get it for me okay just i think that, i think that this i've never actually been pregnant in a lifestyle so this is mm. very very new for me and a lot of the thinking for me has been around Oh, I don't know if this is a this, this is good or bad or right or wrong, but I guess I've started to feel a little bit more protective. I've gone well. I don't know if I want to have multiple play partners while I'm pregnant. I know I use protection, but anything could happen, and I feel slightly irresponsible for putting myself in that situation. So some of it's that. Some of it's also the changes in my body that are making me probably less confident and lowering my self-esteem to a degree when it comes to especially group play. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think it's, it's just now going to be very specific and very mood dependent and very selective as to who. Um, and so maybe that, that withdrawal from the group kind of environment and probably less time at the club as well as I, as I get larger, mm. Um, will be good. I might then crave that that again afterward, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Being um, pregnant and non-monogamous is such an interesting uh, place to move through, you know, within yourself and your relationships. So, yeah, I remember being. Um, I think, yeah, we we had a little, you know, early pregnancy because we had pre-existing. Um, you know, partners and people who we trusted and felt really connected with. So that felt, you know, that was, that was good. And then I think, yeah, similar to you, not long. And I think as soon as my body started really changing, I was like, oh, I think I'm just going to bunker down. But we did go to, uh, it wasn't a play party, but a big meetup that our friends host um, in New York. It's like a big drinks. And I think some Sometimes there's like 150 people or something like that. But, you know, went along to that, you know, when I was nine months pregnant, saw everyone and it was just so I mean, fun. it was amazing how many people fetishize pregnant women. And, and, and this is something that I found really interesting because I've, I've never really fetishized it myself. So I was, I was fascinated by how many people kind of came out of the woodwork and go, well, you know, I'm, I'm around. <laughs> You know, if, if you want to, if you want to hang out sometime. And, and I think that was interestingly the moment where I got a little bit protective, you know, because I'm really, I'm naturally very compulsive and I love se seeing Abby with other partners and I love having, you know, Abby having these own autonomous, beautiful experiences sexually. But I think, I think that was the first time where I felt that real protective fatherly instinct of you're pregnant no one touch you, you know, yeah, you know, you're holding the baby, the, you know, Simba, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was, it, it was the first time, I think probably after, you know, once you started really showing where I felt, I felt, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put a pin in it just for a few months. It's funny because we were smiling because actually, because I've said, I don't want to take a little bit of a step back, but then last week, because it's my birthday week, 
um, you get to my age and you can have birthday weeks or months or whatever you like. Birthday decades, whatever. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you want, Michelle. Anyway, <laughs> I was going, you know, actually I wouldn't mind, you know, having a girl come in and I'll just watch and, you know, um, and that's a fantasy that we've not spoken about before. Usually I'm involved, you know, it's, it's, I, I like to be involved, but um, yeah, maybe this is a common pregnancy craving. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Just sit back and enjoy. It's the best view. Uh, yeah. yeah. We do get pregnant women come through the club, you know, from time to time. The last one I can definitely remember was at our birthday party last year. I'm sure some have been since then, but sometimes they're not always there or maybe they're not showing, but she was very pregnant like and she was wearing laundry and you just like whoa and she was like squeezing through the the private room corridor and I was <laughs> like she was hot I was like oh okay we're leaving now <laughs> it's like, uh, and I, if I uh, some of the emails we get from the club is that lean to like build on the question from earlier about like what are some of the the funny moments so some of the emails that I get is just like this is the best like I, I love my job uh, this was a few years back and a woman you know emailed us and said, look I'm eight months pregnant and I've been wanting to come to the club and I'm I'm really interested in, in this and my husband's going to come with me I hope that would that be okay or would it be weird I'm just so fucking horny and I want to get <laughs> fucked so much <laughs> Is this okay? But it's true. And they just say, <laughs> yes. Uh, now I've got to fill this out somehow. <laughs> I've got to pat it out. <laughs> like, uh, that is very okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So, did you, Abby, did you go through those, those kind of those, I guess those fluctuations in self-esteem and self-confidence while you were pregnant and, um, you know, Wanting to, wanting to take a step back and then or finding it difficult even to, um, you know, at the moment I'm craving obviously watching Lawrence play with someone else, but there's definitely been moments. I think earlier before I was actually showing where I started, to, I was just feeling fat, not pregnant, yeah. um, where I was like, oh, I'd, I, those insecurities would definitely creep up, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a place a situation where I'd be, you know, probably mm-hmm. rather self-critical. Mm. So were you, did you go through the same sort of thing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I felt pretty good during my pregnancy, but I, as far as playing and, um, you know, the non-monogamy aspect sort of tried, you know, we didn't really plan too much. Um, we, we dived into our fantasy world a lot um, because, you know, when you're pregnant, you can change so much, like, you know, not just on a daily basis, but like throughout the day, you know, mm. it's like I can feel something in the morning and be like, this is what I want. I'm so in the mood for this, you know, and even if I was like, you know, let's do this tonight, by the time 5 p.m. rolls around, I'm like, absolutely not, like, <laughs> you know, so... You know, you, you can't really plan stuff because yeah. it is, you know, it is an emotional time. It's a hormonal time. Um, so we tended to not, you know, I, I had a, a lot of ideas early on. I think first trimester I was, I really had a good first trimester. I didn't have any sickness, but I just felt wildly aroused mm. and very deviant in my mind. But then things sort of um, trickled off. It was also, you know, being pregnant in the summertime you know, all of that. There's always the, you know, external factors for everything. Yeah. And also Liam lost, you know, Liam's compersion went down. He became more pr- protective. So we sort of were like, 
you know, we kind of weren't super in that mindset towards later on. But, yeah. Yeah, so I'm the opposite. I was quite sick the first three months and now I'm in the second trimester. I'm feeling really good and this is my, my libido's increased significantly. So, um, and, and yeah, like I said, I quite like that I'm showing now too, that it's mm. like I, I'm obviously pregnant now. So it's, yes. it's okay. There's a reason I look like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, look, I agree. And it's quite nice. It's, it's, it's just always very validating, right? When you listen to someone else's experiences that are similar yeah. to yours in the same situation to go, okay, yeah, yeah I'm all right. I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's such a personal experience. You know, it's like, if you're feeling it and you know, that's what you want to do. And Lawrence is feeling great about it. It's like, why not? Like oh, there's no issue with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Just enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, we have we actually have some friends who are very newly non-monogamous. Um, they're also newly pregnant, and it's all sort of happened at the same time. And it's the, with their first child, and they're just like, "What do we do?" Yeah. Because they're like, "This is our moment," because we're about to, you know, have a baby and be caught up in baby time. And you know, and she asked me, she was like, "Is it is it fine to do this when you're pregnant?" I was like, "Absolutely," you know, totally. Yeah, you just I think you just got to listen to yourself, right? And you're absolutely, yes. you know, and be okay with actually going. I've changed my mind. There's nothing wrong with sending that that cancel text. It's fine. Yeah, that's the R in, in consent, reversible. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Amazing. Well, before before we finish up, I would love uh, for you, Lawrence, to, to let people know what the best way is to attend Our Secret Spot. So what's the process? How do people reach out? How do people kind of come to these amazing events? Do your, do your little sprick. So the best way to get into the club is to send nudes to at creepy Lawrence. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can search out the club on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's at our secret spot or one word. Uh, our, check out our website, oursecretspot.com.au and that has all our events and you can check out what's coming up in the, for the next uh, month or so and book your tickets. Make sure to book your tickets uh, as early as you can because the events do sell out or you can get in touch with us via email info at oursecretspot.com.au or the phone number is 0478131769. You can call or text us, but I much prefer buy a ticket, come and say hello to us in person and have a chat there, like tell us how you found us on the Through Evolving Love Project or wherever else you, you happen to, to, to find out about us. It's good having a chat. I'm getting better at having chats with people about these things. I, I'm, I'm, quite a, I'm quite a bit of an introvert mm-hmm. and I'm really trying to uh, coach myself, condition myself to just be more out there and talk to my customers because it's just like sometimes I don't get out there enough I don't feel like and I, I miss opportunities of just sort of you know being being a good host and mm. finding out about people's stories and journeys and stuff like that and I'll know when that you're uh, this particular podcast gets released because he'll get inundated with nudes now so <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy Lawrence on Instagram <laughs> I do like your Instagram. You've got some really funny photos on there. (laughs) So silly. Uh, Thanks very much for having us. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been amazing chatting with you both. Uh, We look forward to chatting with you again and coming and chatting at the club. And, yeah, we should all grab a drink sometime. Absolutely. That would be lovely. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, when you're in Sydney, let us know and we can can tee something up. Well, thank you so much, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.